Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning. What a great day it is to worship our God, a God that has literally kept us all throughout the week. Uh, It is Psalm 118 that says, this is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Joy in rejoicing is a choice. It is something that you choose today. And so today I choose to wake up and be full of joy and rejoicing in the Lord because we serve a king that is still on the throne. Well, look, I'm I'm excited about worshiping with you today. I have a task before me and a responsibility to unpack the Word of God, and so let's get right to business. Grab your Bibles, uh, get to the Old Testament, get to Psalms. Psalm 22 is where we're going to hang out today. Uh, If you'll do me a favor, as as you go to Psalm 22, if you'll just invite somebody, let them know that we're about to get into the Word of God. It's that time, once again, we do this every week, where we try to bring you worship and try to bring you some welcome and announcements, but we definitely want to make sure that we get into the word of God because getting into the word of God is the most climactic moment of the day because this is the moment we get to hear from God. This is the moment we get to unpack all of what it is that he has to say. As you turn to Psalm 22, uh, there's a couple things I want to lay before you. Uh, Election day is quickly approaching us and there's two really important details I want to lay out about election day. Number one, I want to make sure that everybody is registered to vote. I don't know if you're registered to vote. If you're not, you actually still have time. Uh, There should be a link popping up somewhere in the chat room, Uh, but we want to make sure that you are registered to vote. You know, since the Voting Rights Act in 1965, uh, black people have gotten the opportunity now to be able to participate in democracy and have a voice in democracy. And uh, I don't want you to miss out. Do not let the couch vote, meaning do not sit on the couch and let it vote, because when you don't vote, that's actually casting a vote. Uh, One of my responsibilities before you is not to endorse a candidate. It is not to tell you who to vote for. I just want to make sure that you do your research uh, and that you actually get out to the ballot or or do early voting, whatever it is that you choose to do. Uh, But nevertheless, we have a very important, I think we always say it, right? We always say, well, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, But I truly think that this is one of the most important elections of our lifetime. Uh, There is a lot on the ballot. Uh, It is not just a candidate. Uh, and there, there are there's plans and in, 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 in that can progress help, help uh, particularly African Americans progress and, and I'm speaking specifically to African Americans because we have been on the opposite end of justice so much that uh, it's important that we start to see legislation passed on our behalf. Anyway, register to vote if you have not, and if you have registered to vote, please get up and uh, make sure that you do it on November third. Uh, The second burden I have around election is to prepare the church. You know, one of my pastoral responsibilities is to always make sure that the church is prepared for whatever it is that the Lord is doing. And so throughout the month of October, we will be in a sermon series uh, called Rigged. And basically what we're going to be talking about is the sovereignty of God. We're really going to look at the tension between man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. 
even though God is sovereign, oftentimes God is sovereign. And so what we do is we be like, well, because God is sovereign and he has everything in control and whatever the outcome is going to be is what he planned for it to be, which is all true. We think we don't have to participate, but that is not true. God actually works his sovereignty through our actions. Remember last week when we were talking about Jonah? I'm not preaching this, but y'all remember last week we were talking about how Jonah said in, in chapter two, I think it was verse three, where he said, talking to God in his prayer, he said, you threw me, you cast me into the sea. But if you go back to chapter one, it was actually the sailor's hands that cast him into the sea. What you see happening there is God's sovereign will, his outcome happening through the actions of the sailors. And it's the same way with voting. God, God usually, uh, he has the outcome 100%. He knows what he's doing and he already knows where the election is going, but he uses our votes in order to accomplish his great will. So throughout the month, we're going to be talking about rigged. It's a four week sermon series preparing the church for whatever the outcome is and really the focus is not on a specific political party the focus is my endorsement is on God I endorse that whoever wins the election God still wins the election every single time and the beautiful thing about God winning the election is nobody can impeach him you can't stack the, the, the courthouse against him. He is sovereign and he uses his power and his might to direct anybody that is in leadership. So I want to kind of prepare the church for God's sovereignty, our responsibility as it relates to this specific nation that we're in. There is a lot of applicable uh, scriptures that apply to this topic. So prepare yourselves. All right, let's get into the word of God today. Psalm 22. I talked a lot, so y'all should have um, y'all should have Psalm 22 before you either on your phone or a physical copy. If you don't, if you didn't get that link, make sure that link pops up. I think it's going to pop up somewhere in the chat room. Please click on it and make sure that you are registering to vote. All right, verse one it says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. I'm, I'm not going to preach verse three. I'm just going to read it uh, just for context. Yet you were holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, When You Feel Forsaken. When You Feel Forsaken. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, would you allow this passage to turn our hearts toward Jesus? There are many people right now that are, that, that are feeling forsaken, whether it's that person that's feeling forsaken because of abandonment within a relationship or a friendship, or uh, maybe it's the lack of justice when we look around or Maybe it's just COVID-19. It's, it's just got us in a, a weird place of where we feel like you're distant. Where we feel like you're, you're not close. So, Father, those feelings are, are normal. And I pray that today that the word of God would bear its full weight on our emotions. And that it would guide us to your heart, not to despair. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. When you feel forsaken. Well, here we are again where I have to stand before you um, somewhat brokenhearted over more injustice. 
I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but on Wednesday, September 23rd, Kentucky Attorney General uh, Daniel Cameron announced the completion of the special prosecution uh, investigation into um, the case with Breonna Taylor. Uh, let me not say the case with Breonna Taylor. Let me say the murder of Breonna Taylor. And I, I don't use that loosely. That's very intentional because anytime somebody is sleeping in their house and someone busts down the door and then kills that person, that is a mob that is coming in to murder. But ever since Wednesday, I, I've been heavy. I don't know how, how you guys have been feeling about the case. To add insult to injury, not only did the grand jury uh, uh, let this let this person, uh, this, this, this mob, this killer go, but to add insult to injury, they decided to give him three counts of endangerment for bullets that entered into someone else's apartment. It is almost as though he got uh, charged for missing. It is almost as though, because consider with me, if those same bullets would not have went into the wall, but actually went into this uh, person that's made in the image of God, and if it had went into her body, he would have been charged with nothing, but because he missed and it hit into someone else's apartment. Not, he didn't even get charged for the bullets in her apartment, but someone else's apartment. And when I consider all of this injustice, it makes me think of Martin Luther King's words when he wrote the letter from a Birmingham jail, when he said, justice delayed is justice denied and here's the reality with this situation justice was delayed 194 days we waited to get no justice and this is constant and the reason i'm bringing this up before us is because it you know when, when whenever there's injustice it's typically tied to an emotion for a large group of image bearers of god many people have been rocked this week in fact i spent a good portion of my week talking to a lot of you, particularly black women, and, and the reason I'm singling out black women is because this was a young black woman that has died, and uh, historically, black women have been on the opposite end of justice for so long, and when I've made phone calls this week, and I've checked in with people that were closest to me, pe people that uh, I, I felt like this, this, this would have impacted their life when I checked in with them, here's the emotions that I heard, hurt, broken, hopelessness, confused, anger. By the way, your, your anger needs no apology for so long, especially black women have had to compose themselves to make other people com uh, comfortable. But the reality is it is okay to be angry. In fact, the Bible says be angry, but sin not. It validates the feeling and the emotion of anger, but that should not lead us to sin. What are we angry over? We're angry over every time this happens. I'm tired of seeing videos. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of looking at the attorney generals get on after, one after another and declare that there was no injustice. And many of us carry the weight of the uncertainty of being a black person in this uh, in this country, the, the reality is my boys go across the street to the basketball court and I'm worried every time they go across the street. My boys go downtown and they'll hang out with their friends and I'm worried that a group of young black men are walking around the street. I'm worried and concerned every time. Why? Because I know that they could be the next hashtag. And here's the reality. Unfortunately, the feeling of injustice leaves many of us, if, if you're honest, if you're not honest, then it's, it's cool. But if, if you're really, really honest, you'll say that this feeling oftentimes leaves us feeling forsaken. 
I'm not saying you are forsaken, but if you can be honest, if you would just type that in the chat room, sometimes, every now and then, I feel forsaken. Every time one of these verdicts come down, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm typically going, God, where are you? God, God, God are, are, you, are you not close? Are you not near? I've read scriptures like where you said you're near to the brokenhearted and you're close to those crushed in spirit. But oftentimes when the verdicts come down, when, when, when the attorney general is sitting and reading and doesn't even mention Breonna Taylor's name, I'm often going, God, where are you? And we arrive at a passage where King David feels the exact same abandonment, where King David feels the exact same emotion. Psalms 22 is a great place to look because Psalms 22 is one of the greatest places to see the portrayal of extreme anguish, of extreme abandonment, feelings of abandonment, not reality, but feelings of abandonment. In fact, I'm talking too much. Let's just get right in the word of God and see what the word of God has to say about this feeling of forsaken. Verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you far from saving me from the words of my groaning? David here is expressing the feeling of abandonment by God. In this moment, he feels far from God. In this moment, he feels like God is out of reach. In this moment, he feels like God has given him the silent treatment. In this moment, he feels like his prayers, like I said to you last week, are still in the room in which he prayed them. But what is interesting when I read Psalm 22 is you got to get to Psalm 23 because Psalm 23, he has a different set of emotions. Don't miss this. Don't check out Psalms 22. He's saying, God, where are you? But Psalm 23 He's singing a different tune. Let me just read the whole chapter real quick. Psalm 23, which is known as the Pearl of Psalm, says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Watch this. All the days of my life. That that means the day that I feel like you're far. You're, You're actually not far. All the days of my life, goodness and mercy will follow me and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Watch this. Forever, forever, forever. Which is so interesting to me because Psalms 22, he's singing something different. Psalms 22, he's like, God, where are you? Psalms 23, one chapter later he's saying God you're so close I can't even breathe and what you see happening and what you see playing out between Psalms 22 and Psalms 23 is not David being schizophrenic it is actually David showing us the regular ebbs and flows of life what David is showing us is the ups and downs of the normal Christian life What David is showing us is that there are some days that will be good days and you'll be up. And then there are some days that are bad days and you will be down. When God saved you, he never promised that every day will be good. In fact, the opposite. The Bible says that those who name the name of Jesus Christ will be persecuted. He did not promise that you will have every day will be a good day. But what he did promise that even in the bad days, I'm actually still close to you, even though you feel like I'm a little far. I love the song that says, I've had some good days, 
If I could sing, I'd sing it right now. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days, and I've had some lonely nights. Whenever uh, you come to Jesus, he always promises good and bad, and they actually work together for your sanctification. They work together for your spiritual growth. The truth, the truth is that Every one of us, I don't care how long you've known Jesus, I really don't. I don't care if you were spit out the womb, speaking in tongues with a prayer cloth on. Every one of us have days where we are like David and we're going, God, where are you? God, you seem extremely far from me right now. And as Christians, we've been trained to rush out of those seasons of lament. Do you know lament is worship? We, we've, been, we've been trained to get out of those seasons and say, God, my next season cometh to me now. But the reality is God sometimes wants us to sit in those seasons because there are some lessons that you'll learn in those seasons that you will never learn in successful ones. Why do we lust after next seasons when God is like, but you were in this season right now and I'm still as faithful in this season as I would be in the season of success. There are times where you will feel disconnected from God. I'm going to just say, I'm not one of those preachers that are going to say, come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. I'm like, no, come to Jesus. And you still get lit up every now and then. It's a part of the sanctification process. It is a part of the spiritual growth. You'll have good days. Listen, everybody that's working the camera in the, in the camera room, I'm talking to you too. There are days that will be good days. And then there are days that will be bad days. In fact, the good days and the, and the bad days, really, they, they work as con- picture with me that you're in a car and there are two, there are two types of pedals that you got to pay attention to. I'm not talking about the stick shift or the clutch. I'm talking a regular uh, car where you have a brake pad, a pedal and then there's a gas pedal. Consider with me that good days are the gas pedal and bad days are the brake pedal. Here's the reality. If you get in a car and you only have a gas pedal and you don't have a brake pedal, that is extremely dangerous. It is extremely dangerous for you to get in the car and the brakes not work. And this is how the Christian life works. You have ups, you have gas pedal, you have downs, you have the brake. And there are times where both. And here's what I love about the automobile. If I'm sitting in the car and I'm using both pedals, I'm still moving forward and I still get to my destination. I still am able to get to my destination, even with good days and even with bad days. My family had a death in the family during our sabbatical, we had to go upstate. Now, I, I don't own a car, so that, that was a problem. I, I was trying to figure out how we're going to get upstate, and we, we, we knew we had to get up there, and so we, we rented a car, and I went to Enterprise, and I, I picked up the car, and I, I don't drive often because we, we don't own a car anymore. We got rid of all of our cars. It was a more, I was telling one of the, the, the tech uh, folk here, it was one of the most freeing days when we got rid of both of our cars, but we rented a car this day, and I get in the Enterprise, I get the car, I get the keys, and you know, I, I, I lice all it down because I, I just don't know. I sit in the car and I get out the parking lot and I start to drive and I tap the brakes. And they, I'm, when I tell you those were some brand spanking new brake pads, when you tapped it, it felt like I slammed on the brake. I mean, a little tap. We were jerking and I, I was like, Ty, I'm sorry because every time I tapped it, it felt like we were jerking. And what I did but because of the sensitivity of the brake, I paid attention to it more. I said, man, from here all the way upstate, I just want to pay attention to how many times I'm hitting the brake. 
There was traffic. I had to, I had to hit the brake, tap it every now and then. There were left turns. There, there were stop signs. There were red lights. There were moments I literally had no choice. I had to hit the brake. And because I was paying attention so much, do you know that I touched that brake over a hundred times? But here's the reality. I still got to my destination. We still made it upstate. We might have been slowed down. We might not have got there as quick as we wanted to. We, I might have had to sit at a red light. But the reality is I still got to my destination and ups and downs of life work as the gas break, gas break, gas break. But as long as you're still moving forward, as long as you still have the trajectory afford, you are going to be all right. Let me free you up this morning. There are going to be some days that are good. And then there are going to be some days that you're going exactly what David is saying here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, why are you far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Let me just lift back up that first part. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you know that in this verse, this is the verse that even Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Colossians 1 says the sustainer, the creator and the sustainer of life had to quote this very Psalm. He he had to reach back to David's words the Bible says that as he was on the cross, cross, it was the ninth hour and darkness was all over the land and Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, meaning my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, now Jesus was felt forsaken for a very different reason than, than David. David feels forsaken because his enemies are close and, and camping on him, but Jesus felt forsaken because of our sin. See, Jesus felt forsaken because he got on a cross, absorbed the wrath of God for all of our sin and for the first time in all of eternity. There has never been a moment where Jesus was disconnected from his father, but for the first time in all of eternity, he was disconnected because of my sin because of your sin. And when Jesus felt disconnected from his father, he reaches back to David's words and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If Jesus was not above the feeling of abandonment, why do you and I feel like we can't go to God and say, God, where are you? Jesus did. Why can we not go to God and say, God, God, I I don't, I don't feel close to you. I don't feel like you're near. Here's the reality. Some of you are in that season right now. Some of you feel like God is far right now. Shoot, some of you felt like God has been far all year long. Some of you have felt disconnected from God. Some of you haven't prayed to God all year long. Some of you haven't read your Bibles all year long. Some of you haven't got around believers all year long. You went left, and the reason you went left is because you had a feeling of abandonment. I'll be honest with you, man. Every time one of these hashtags show up, I'm always going, God, where are you? God, you promised that you would never leave us. You promised that you would never forsake us. So where are you? Your boy feels a little far. Your boy feels a little distant from you. Michael Brown, where are you, God? Eric Gardner, where are you, God? Tamir Rice, where are you, God? Sandra Bland, Laquan McDonald, uh, Ahmad Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor, say her name, Breonna Taylor. God, where are you? And God is in heaven going, I'm in the same place that I was when my son asked that question. 
When my son said, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? I'm in the same place I was when he cried that. I'm on my throne in full control. I know what I'm doing. I know you feel like you know better than me, but I always work on behalf of the oppressed. Don't worry. Vindication is mine, says the Lord. I'm in the same place I always am. I'm sitting on my throne. I'm not bothered. I'm not worried. I know how to work the events of life for my glory. So feelings of abandonment are a part of the Christian journey. It's bittersweet. That, that, that's, what, that's what Tori uh, uh, Lane says, right? It's bittersweet. There, there are some moments where, that, where there will be bitterness, and then there are some moments where there will be sweetness. But the reality is that the bitter and sweet work together. And God puts both ingredients into your spiritual growth. Let me say that again. God takes bitterness and sweetness, and those are two key ingredients that he puts in for your spiritual growth. So David says here, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? I hope y'all are tracking with me from the words of my groaning. I'm almost done. We're not going to be long today. Watch verse two. Oh my God. I cry to you by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. The, the psalmist here is describing his cries as continual. He, he's describing in verse two, his prayers as perpetual. Did, did, you, did you pick that up? He says, I cry day and night. It's one thing if you cry during the day and God answers at night. Or opposite. It's another thing if you cry at night and he answers by the day, by the morning, by the dusk of the dawn. But that is not what the psalmist is saying. He said, I cry to you day. I don't hear from you. I cry to you at night. I don't hear from you. What do you do when the abandonment feels like it has no expiration date? What what do you do when that feeling of loneliness feels like it's forever? But what I love about David is David remains faithful to prayer. Notice that David right here chooses in his moment of feeling forsaken to talk to God, not about God. Will y'all type that in the chat room for me? He chooses here to talk to God, not about God. In fact, I talked to somebody this week. I'll leave them nameless. And they were like, oh, I'm just so mad at God. I'm so upset with God. And I understand that feeling. But instead of complaining and saying that we are mad at God, how about we talk to God? God can handle us saying, God, where are you? I just feel like you're, you're distant from me. God can handle that. But what I love about David is David does not disconnect in prayer. I feel like God is, 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 I feel like God is, is, is trying to develop somebody's prayer life. I, I don't know who it is. I know, I know it's mine for sure. But I feel like there's somebody else that that could say, man, me too. I feel like God is trying to develop my prayer life just a little bit. Remember last week we were talking about Jonah and Jonah praying in the belly of a fish and how he remained consistent. God put him in a position where he had to pray. This week, again, we're talking about David's prayers of feeling abandoned. I was talking to the staff, not, not the staff, our leaders. We had a, a, a leaders uh, meeting, and part of our leaders meeting is a moment of development. And so I called one of my boys, Pastor Ernie Grant, and, and, and I didn't tell him what to, what, to, what to do in terms of a development. I didn't, I didn't ask him to do a specific topic. In fact, I didn't even know what he, in fact, I was late on the call. He gets on the call, and I, and I hear him talking about prayer as the main ingredient. Stop strategizing, pray. Stop trying to come up with answers, 
pray. And he pushed our staff, our, our leaders towards more prayer. I feel like God is trying to develop somebody's prayer life. Look at, see, a development of prayer life means that I'm going to pray in good seasons, but I have to learn how to pray in bad ones too. David here is not just praying in Psalm 23 in a good season, but he's also praying in Psalm 22 when he feels disconnected from God. The disconnect does not stop him from communication. Prayer is essential. You want to talk about an essential worker? Prayer is an essential worker of the Christian journey, period. Prayer should be like breathing, easier to do than not do. Like this morning, up until now, since you got up, you didn't even tell yourself one time, breathe. You you didn't have to do that because your body knows to just naturally breathe. And when you were sleeping, you weren't saying in the middle of the night, don't forget to breathe. We are breathing. We are breathing and we're doing it because it's so natural and that's how prayer should be. It should be so natural. But the reality is, do the opposite. Try not to breathe. That's what prayer should feel like. When I go in seasons where I don't connect with God through prayer, it should be like I'm suffocating. It should be like the oxygen is zapping out of my body. I feel like God is developing our prayer lives. And so what does David do here? David... He chooses, the King David, he chooses to talk to God and not complain about God. He chooses to say, even in the midst of of not hearing from you and not feeling you and feeling like you're not feeling me, even in those times, I'm still going to choose to pray. And here's where I'm going to pray, day and night. He's night. He's basically saying, I'm going to continually pray. Have you ever been there where you just felt like David, like, God, God, I'm I'm doing this, but I I don't feel you. Sometimes I just feel like I'm going through the motions. Sometimes I feel like I'm just showing up. Sometimes I feel like I'm just getting on the discipleship call and I'm getting on the small group call and I'm just showing up. But the reality is I'm going through the motions. What, what David is showing us here is that God is always there day and night, even if you feel like he's not. Some of you are there right now. Some of you have been there all year. Well, you feel like David has felt the feeling won't change at the stroke of midnight 2021. See, many of us, and I fear, let me help you out. I fear that many of us are, have been looking at 2020 and saying, man, this was a, I mean, I've seen the memes, y'all. I feel like we going, man, this is a, this is a bad year. I mean, it started out bad. It's, it's just, we almost at the end of this year. We got a few months left. I just feel like Thanksgiving ain't going to be the same because we in a pandemic. Christmas ain't going to be the same. And we, we just, I think we have this feeling of 2021 is a bad year. So if I could just get to 2021, but the reality is 2021 could be just like 2020. It is not the, it is not a magic pill that you take New Year's night. What you need is discipline and staying connected to God. But what we need is discipline in our prayer lives. David doesn't disconnect here because a maturing Christian realizes that every season is not a climactic one. Can I help you? Every season, you ain't going, God, every season ain't Psalm 23. Every season ain't going, God, I just feel you. You're right here. You're just speaking. You're clear. There are moments of gray and there are moments where you don't feel as connected to God. But a maturing believer knows to keep pressing even through the seasons where I don't feel God. Keep pressing. Keep going. And honestly, man, if I'm I'm honest with you, we should almost welcome those seasons. Here's why. Don't check out. Here's why I think we should welcome the season. We should welcome those seasons because it is in the seasons of distance that we learn a deeper relationship with God. 
It is in those seasons where we feel disconnected that we should learn how to pursue God differently. Like I told y'all last week, some of us wouldn't know God as a provider unless we first were in a season of without. So some of us would not know God as a healer unless we were in a season where we were sick. Some of us wouldn't know God as a comforter unless we were in a season where we needed to be comforted. Distance produces a deeper relationship with God. Distance should make you pursue God. Distance should make you run to God, not away from God. Distance, that's why we should welcome it because some of you ain't ever prayed so much until you got into a distant place. Some of you got like David where you were going, God, where are you? God, I don't feel you. And you didn't disconnect from God. It is in the distance that I learned deeper relationship. I love the way Tisha says it. Both pain and joy can coexist. That they can go together. And as a maturing believer, we have to learn to continue to pursue God the way David does. So David, David here keeps consistent, even in the disconnected season. I don't know who it is that feels far from God. Stay connected. Don't check out. Break pedal, break pedal, break pedal. Just keep moving forward. We skipped over a very important phrase, and I'm just going to lift it up. We were almost done here. Look, look at what he says in verse one. My God, my God. In other words, David understood that even though he felt disconnected from God, it just was a feeling. Because notice he's still saying, my God. He ain't saying the God that used to be my God. The God that used to be my God, why have you abandoned me? That's not what he's saying. Even in his expression of feeling abandoned, he still knows he's connected because he calls God my God. In fact, you got to understand something about feeling distant from God. The feeling of feeling disconnected from God is actually proof that you're actually close to God. When you feel, don't, I know that's like, well, what do you mean? Whenever you feel like you are far from God, it actually is proof that you're near to God. Why? Because if you were really far from God, you'd feel nothing. If you were really far from God, you wouldn't even notice that you were far from God. Let me put Bible here. Romans chapter one, verse 24, all the way to 28. We'll say it this way. God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity. 20, verse 26, God gave them over to their degrading passions. Verse 28, God gave them over to their depraved mind. There is a moment where God will give someone over. And whenever he gives you over to do you boo, you got to understand something. You'd feel nothing. You'd feel no disconnect from God because you actually are but whenever you feel far you're actually close whenever you feel disconnected it's actually proof that you are connected and I don't know who I'm talking to today all year long you've been feeling like you disconnected from God baby you ain't disconnected from God it's actually proof that you need to pray more it's, it's proof that you need to fast it's proof that you need to get into your word it's proof that you need to get connected back to God but that doesn't mean that you, it's just a feeling and how many know our feelings can't be trusted my feelings can't be trusted. I feel a lot of stuff and that don't mean it's right. Just because I feel it does not mean it's right. And I can promise you, David is not actually disconnected. He just has the feeling. Feeling far from God is proof that you're close. That should encourage somebody today. Somebody should look at their, their, their feeling of disconnect differently today. You should look at it and say, oh my God, I'm actually, God, I'm actually not far because if I was, see God, if he wanted to let you go, you wouldn't even know you was let go. But the fact that we still feel it, the fact that we still feel disconnected, is God's grace. It's God's conviction. It's God putting on our heart that you, 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 you're wandering. 
I've left you, you left me, you're wandering, get connected, get back to me. Here's the question we should be asking before we close out. What do we do with our distance? Well, what, what do we do with it? Because I, I, sometimes when I preach this, man, I, I don't go practical enough, and I apologize. I really don't mean that. I think sometimes theology overtakes me, and, and I, I get into explaining mode, but what do we do with our distance? It's actually A.W. Tozer that says every man is as close as he wants to be to God. In other words, there are some practical things that you can do and should do when you have those moments of disconnect, if you are taking notes, write these down. Here, here's what you should do when you feel disconnected from God. I threw this out there, and maybe you want to do some more study on it this week. Fast. That's what I do. So if, if there's moments where I feel like God ain't close, or I feel like, I just feel off. You ever had those moments you woke up and you're just like, I, nothing's actually wrong. I just feel off. Might be God calling you to spend some time denying your flesh so that you can get connected back with him. Fasting is a good way to get connected back to God. How about more dedicated time with God? We talked about this a little bit last week when I encourage y'all to go onto your screen times. I don't know if you were on last week, but let me encourage you again. Go back in settings, go on your screen time. I, I realized that if you look, look at it on Sunday, it starts over. So when I looked at it, it said like 40 minutes. on. Uh, I was on uh, YouTube for 40 minutes, which actually was on the church uh, live for 40 minutes. But the reality is swipe, swipe left. I bet you when you swipe and you see the whole week, you feel differently. And so what we need to do is we need to figure out, God, how do I dedicate more time to you? How do I commit more time to you? How do I pull away from some things that are not really feeding me spiritually? How do I disconnect from those things so that I can get connected back to you? Fasting is a good way. Dedicating more time to God. I told you guys, y'all need a dog, a D-A-W-G. You need a day alone with God. You need a day where you disconnect. And get connected with God. Speaking of disconnect, here's another way. Sometimes we have to pull away from social media. Sometimes you got to just press pause on that TV series. I, I, I know you. I know that episode left you on a cliffhanger and you ready for the next one. I get it. I understand it. Listen, Lovecraft Country is killing the game right now. I get it. But there are some moments you got to be like, I can't connect to Lovecraft Country. I got to connect back to my Lovecraft for Jesus. And there are sometimes you just got to pull away and get connected back to Jesus. So pull away from some social media. Pull away from some 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 TV series in order to. Here's a great great thing social media be there when you get back and so will lovecraft country the show your favorite show will be there when you get back those are some practical ways and here's the reality if you sit in the season of disconnect and do nothing i know for myself it's really a pointer that i have no discipline that i personally am lazy and i am comfortable in remaining distant i'm comfortable in it when i do nothing i'm comfortable but the reality is every man, A.W. Tozer, is as close as he wants to be to God. If you want to be closer to God, you got to exemplify some discipline. I got to exemplify some discipline. Let, let me end here. Trust me, the constant news of injustice makes me feel far from God. That's just, I'm just going to keep it 100 with you today. The constant news, the constant videos, the constant Karen gone wild, those constant videos and constant news broadcasts about injustice makes me oftentimes feel disconnected from God. But today I choose to wait on God's vindication. I choose to wait on God because I know that he'll come through. I, I, I know, like, I'm confident 
that God always comes through. And I don't always understand why God does what he does, but that's not for me to know. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. I've come to the conclusion, I'm ending here. Let me close my Bible. That'll let you know I'm really ending. If a preacher says he's ending and his Bible's still open, he's not ending. But I just closed it, so I'm really ending. The reality is, there are times in my life that I, I think I'm smarter than God. I just think I know a little bit more. You, you, you got me, Josh. There, there are some times I just, I think I know more than God knows. But the reality is, I don't. I've, I've learned. I'm 40 years old. I've, I've lived a long time. I've walked with God for over a decade now. I now know that God knows much better than me. He is so far ahead of me. I'm so finite in my thinking. I don't know what he's doing, but I choose to trust him. In Exodus chapter 3, there's a moment where God calls Moses to go deliver the people of Israel. And when he calls Moses, he says to them, I think it's verse, I think it's verse 17. Don't, don't quote me on the verse. You, you, you check it out. Verse uh, chapter 3 of Exodus. There's a moment where he says to them that the cries of my people have come up before me. I've heard the afflictions that has been given on them by their taskmasters and I've come to deliver them. God actually did come through. God actually did. He did show up even though for 400 years Israel felt disconnected. I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe it's not the injustice. Maybe it's that relationship. Maybe it's that friendship. Maybe it's just family. Maybe it's life. Maybe it's job. I don't don't know what it is. And here's the beauty. I don't have to know. God knows. God knows exactly what it is that is making you feel disconnected. For, for David, it, it was his enemies getting close. And because his enemies got close, he felt like God abandoned him. Because vertical relationships or, or horizontal relationships got close, he felt a vertical disconnect. Here's the reality. It's just a feeling. God is not disconnected from you. Matthew 28, I'll never leave him. Oh, I'll be with you forever. God is always with us. So I don't know who it is, but I just simply want to end our time by praying for you. I want to pray for more confidence in the Lord. I want to pray for more trust in the Lord. We are, let's be honest, man. There, there are moments where just you know, sometimes, Lord, I, I don't know if I trust you on this one. But it all, he always comes through on the right side. He always comes through. It, it may not be the outcome that you wanted, but it's always the outcome that is best for you and the outcome that brings God glory. Father, I pray for everybody that's piped on today. There are times where we feel disconnected. There are times where we feel like David. My God, my God, where? Why have you forsaken me? But let us not rest too much in the why have you forsaken me. Let us rest more in the my God, my God, that you are ours. Better yet, we're yours. Like, God, It is amazing to me that we call you father. But it is also amazing to me that you called us your children. And so, Father, I pray that you would stir up confidence on this live. I pray that you would stir up affections for you on this live. Would you do a work in our heart and at the end of it, in this season, when this season is over and we feel deeply connected with you, may we never forget what it is that brought us back, which is deep intimacy with you. Because the reality is, Lord, we'll be back again in the season going, my God, my God, where have you forsaken me? That is the Christian life, ups and downs. 
I'm not worried about the ups and downs. I'm worried about the flat line. I'm worried when everything's the same. Because then I'm worried. But the feeling of despair and disconnect is actually you pulling us back up towards you, deepen our relationship with you. May distance produce a deeper relationship. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. Well, man, it was good hanging out with y'all. I, I certainly am praying for you. I miss y'all. Let, let me just, let me pause here for a second. And like, I don't know if y'all logging off or what, but I really miss y'all. And I pray for you often. Some of your faces come up when I'm praying and I pray for you often. There, there are times I, I walk in this building and nobody's here. And it's, 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 it's great because it gives me a chance to literally walk every seat and think about the people that used to sit in the seat and people that used to sing on this mic and the people that play. I'm praying for you. I pray that you would pray the same thing for our church. All right, let's get to this doxology. I'm gonna let y'all go. I don't know what y'all got planned today, but I hope you honor God in whatever it is. Jude 24, now unto him who's able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Good hanging out with y'all. Grace and peace.